And we're live with our 193rd episode of Absolute Absec. I'm Ken Johnson at CK Tricky on Twitter, joined by my co-host Seth Law at Seth Law on Twitter. Seth, say hi. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode. We're excited to be here as always. Um, this is our second Apmus, Chris, or I don't know what uh, episode for the year, right? A holiday episode, I guess. Um, I don't know if we're going to do one ne- next week. But um, just wanted to remind everybody that we will be at uh, CactusCon next week. I keep getting CactusCon and KernelCon mixed up in my head, Ken. We're going to be at CactusCon next, not next week. Dang, man, I'm all over the board today. Next month, the end of next month is CactusCon. We'll be in Phoenix. Uh, We're doing a workshop, which is just going to be more of a hands-on look at code bases using the secure code review framework um won't be as much of the the theory behind it but if you're interested come join us as we tear apart a couple of code bases uh, we also will be speaking we're going to be doing a state of appsec uh or a version uh an episode of the podcast on stage live at CactusCon. um so that'll be interesting similar to what we did at devsec ops days a few years ago ken in austin and oh the panel yeah. Yeah, the yeah, panel, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, the panel. Yep. Um, otherwise, um, we do have a couple of announcements that are coming up. Um, it's not quite all formalized yet, but there are going to be a number of different DEF CON trainings this year all across the world. Um, the, uh, and we have submitted and we will be attending, um, I'm fairly certain, right? Uh, each of the different uh, locations. I think the first one's in Seattle in April, if I remember right, Ken. Mm-hmm. Um, That's awesome. Uh, this is very exciting stuff to me. Yeah, and, we've been yeah. we've heard heard about it. Yeah, we we heard about it from the organizers. Um, and yeah, April twenty second and twenty third. I think that does mean we're not going to be able to be at uh, B side San Francisco, though. I think that's the same weekend there. But um, yeah. And outside of that, there's a couple others that are coming up, like not just um, Seattle, but there's going to be a training in Singapore and Asia later in October timeframe. And then, of course, the uh, the training attached to DEF CON in the middle of the summer. So uh, watch out for posts associated with those trainings if you are interested. I know we haven't necessarily done anything west coast for a while outside of defcon right ken i mean i think the last time we really did that was appsec cali a few years ago so the seattle uh training should be a good opportunity that was like 2019 i think right yeah or maybe it was the beginning of 2020 no it was it was 2020 it was 2020 before everything hit right um that's right right before yeah that's right because i think yeah yeah, I think it was yeah. that first quarter. Yep. Interesting. Yep. Been a while. Yeah, yeah. It feels like it's been quite a while, right? Um, but yeah, <laughs> there's uh, so there's going to be opportunities to on each of those. And do we have okay. the, uh, yeah, the peanut galleries going already? Yeah. Are they? So, I, I'm, uh, I'm actually like uh, pulling up all the links that you and I, but or, well, really that you, you share, but that uh, I'm supposed to. Get up to speed on, um, yeah. That's interesting that yeah. it's been that long. Man. Yeah. Um, outside of that, right? Um, 
as always, I, I mean, we're, we're going to have some, um, we'll have more information. We've had a couple of people reach out about sponsoring the podcast. We'll have more information about that starting in 2023. So um, we'll get details back over to people that are interested. Um, and, you know, it's not going to be the, yeah, I, it'll be fairly low key for those of you that listen to the podcast, uh, you know, what those sponsorship opportunities look for. Um, we'll work with people on, you know, what that looks like. Um, outside of that, there's going to be, yeah, I mean, we've got all sorts of ideas. If you have a specific topic or um, article that you want us to discuss on the podcast or someone that would like to come on the podcast, please reach out to us. Um, we are booking into probably about Q2 next year um, for guests right now. Um, you can reach out to either Seth or Ken at absoluteapsec.com or even info at absoluteapsec.com and we'll, we'll arrange that and figure out if it's a good fit before we go ahead and schedule it. Yeah, I think we've got three scheduled right now, and I'm working on a fourth as well. So um, yep. kudos to Aaron for helping out there. That was a big help. I had to get those yeah. scheduled. Cool. Yep. Cool. Uh, I think that's everything from a organization, whatever perspective today, Ken. Um, am I forgetting anything, or you want to jump into one of these articles? Uh, we should ju jump into the articles. I think we're, I think we're good. Um, yeah. So I don't know which one you want to jump into first, um, but there's four uh, options basically. Yeah, let's let's start with the um, the meaningful security product metrics blog by Leaf, a good friend of Absolute AppSec, Leaf Dressler, who's also helping out with the 404 Not Found podcast, right? Um, uh, like he had a, a blog post on segment.com, which is now a part of Twilio, right? Like they got acquired um, on tracking meaningful security product met metrics. So uh, how I wanted to start this discussion, Ken, I, I mean, I, I coming, I'm coming at it from externally. So it's pretty fascinating to me what gets tracked internally at a team in order to, you know, justify security products, but also like, the, the things that you look at from a management or from an organization perspective that are important from a security perspective, right? Um, since I'm a lot of the assessments that I do are one and done, we come in, we look at code, we give you some findings, and then we step away. I don't necessarily have this holistic view. It's been a while, like it's been almost a decade since I've been internal with a team. So I'm wondering, like specifically with you and GitHub, what those product security metrics are that you track. And then we can get into the article itself. Man, I mean. I know it's, I know it's a large question because. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, gosh, I, I actually don't. I would say, like, here's the thing, man. I, I would say that, that so there, there's just too many teams for me to break, like, Meaning just within product security engineering, like instance, product security incident response people, they have their own metrics. Our bug bounty has their own metrics. Um, ironically, a few teams that doesn't have metrics right now, realistically, is like the teams I manage, to be frank. And the reason for that is we do very specific stuff. It's adversarial focused, right? So it's, it's yeah. We have metrics in the sense of, 
there are tasks that we like, how long does it take for us to close a security review? But keep in mind, security reviews aren't just our team. It's like all the teams within security that are relevant to that process, that gated kind of, you're going to release something. So it needs to go under control process. So like that would be an instance of something where we have metrics around how long it took us to, to close those reviews, uh, maybe how long it takes us to open uh, or like from the time we open a review to close a review. We have that kind of basic information, but you know, I mean, if it's, if it's, if we're talking about metrics about our team's performance, frankly, mine aren't great. So I'm not the best person to like really focus on. And again, it's kind of hard. Cause it's like, what am I going to do? Like talk about the bugs we found? Well, that's just, that's, that's, that's a proven terrible metric to go by. Like we know that that, yeah. That is completely unrelated to us. Now, the things I do care about in terms of like numbers and statistics are, you know, sort of like, where's the risk at in, inside of our organization, which is a very lengthy conversation. But um, that's what I care about. I guess the question is what I think if I'm re because there's there's a lot of ways to even look at that question is, is, is the question sort of like, what do I think is valuable as someone who's overseeing that team? Or is it something that I think is valuable for someone else that I need to sell on the like value of our team? And if it's if, if it's a different if it's that second case, that's a different thing that we're talking about altogether. So it, it breaking that apart, there's there's a it's very that's why it's like it's it almost like makes me like kind of sh- like shut down because I got like or crash when I try to think of like that 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 like what what metrics like you know like which team. Yeah. For what reason, like, you know, yeah. and in this well, case, that's, that's partly he talks why about I asked it. it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. That's why, yeah, that's why I left it. That's why I left it so open-ended is because I was interested to see what, what, what your thought process was along those lines, because everybody has a different view on what's important, right? And every organization that you step into is also going to have different things that they look at. Um, so like what I wanted to key off of from your response was this, like this idea of how long does a security review take? Like, so, so, you know, based on what I know externally of GitHub, the engineering first culture pushing product releases out, it makes sense to me that that's going to be a key metric for like the assessment team, the security review team, because that directly affects when those new features are released and you are releasing so often that you don't want to slow that pipeline down too much and get in the way. Right. It's just, it was interesting to hear what your response was. I knew I was kind of throwing a a grenade over to you because there's not right. Like everybody's going to have their, their favorite metrics that, that, that are very applicable to their industry, their company, and what it is that they're trying to do. Um, um, and that that's where, yeah. yeah, go ahead. Well, no, and that's that. And, and to your point, I mean, that's what I was like, he starts off with, with, so this kind of tie, the reason I, that's a great question that, that ties into the, the conversation we were having yesterday about um, in, in Slack. And again, for those listening or watching or both guests, uh, if you aren't on our Slack, uh, workspace go in there because that's where a lot of other conversations spur off and are anyways we were talking about um the idea of selling of sorry of making security a selling point versus a cost center 
right? And that, that delved in that we, we ended up going down some rabbit holes there a little bit anyways, um, kind of breaking that apart. But this is sort of, I guess why I'm saying this is this is exactly what um, Leaf said, which was uh, basically, uh, oh gosh, if I could find the actual, okay. This type of thinking helps you break out of the security as a cost center mindset, demonstrating that you're helping the company's top line helps get you more demonstrating that you're helping the company's top line helps you get more funding for next year or in today's economic economy, protect what you already have. I, yeah. So basically this is to sell some value. Sorry. I can't read today apparently. Um, but anyways, it's, it's to sell some, sell some value um, and show that it's not a cost center anyways. Okay. I'm pausing there, Seth, because that's what I wanted to tie since you brought up a very vague question, which is good. And then, as we start to break it apart, like what's the, what's the, the goal that we're going for here? His goal yeah. is to, to show that. And that ties very clearly into that conversation we had yesterday. Yeah. So with that, I'll hand it over to you to ask, <laughs> you know, first of all, is it, can I just ask, like, do you actually see, do you see value in trying to sell us as not a cost center? That's a, that's a, that's a question I kind of want to put out there. Uh, I do. Right. Um, uh, like we, and part of this, okay. So product security, I almost need to separate it out that from just like the security team in general. Right. Um, like, uh, security came up, um, in a traditional, like older organization as a part of it, which was always viewed as a cost, uh, as, as a cost center, right? Like it was not, it was, you know, it helped do business, but it was a cost. There's always money that's dumped into it. it doesn't necessarily translate into direct sales of the product or, you know, it's, it's all a support center. Um, and uh, we've, we need to reframe that conversation. I think that's part of what Leaf's talking about here is that um, if you are, you know, if you are doing product security and application security building, you know, features into the product, they can be turned into a um, a net positive for that product, but you have to track the metrics in order to show this. And this is where it's going to become very situational as to uh, as to your organization and what your engineering and upper management and your leadership values and what they see and what they can promote. I mean, adding those line items. I mean, we've seen it for years, right? Like you, uh, some. Um, some website back in the nineties had, you know, uh, military grade encryption because they had HTTPS enabled. Right. But that was a selling point and put them and out of the market or out, not out of the market, but um, put them in front of the market, I should say, in actually selling their website as some, some place that people could trust. Um, and so that was a net positive to the business to represent security in that manner. Uh, most of the security things that we hear about are breaches and other, other problems that exist. And those are obviously negatives that will negatively impact the product. And so showing that you're, you know, you're preventing attacks, that you're preventing um, you know, something like data disclosure or whatever it is that's, uh, that is um, considered a breach in your product is probably going to be a net positive for the business overall. But you've got to figure out how to represent that, right? Um, so I guess I, I like my response to that is 
Yes, it's something that you should strive for. It's not always going to be possible because of the nature of security where it's grown up. But um, overall, you should try and frame yourself as a as an integral part of the product and the marketing that goes into it. No. Mm. Not no, but sorry, not no. I, I think I think I'm having a hard time with the practical application of it, right? Like what I mean by that is I yeah, no, I, I don't think you're off at all, like in, in the sense of uh, you know, like showing met like metrics that you need to have the right metrics for the right audience to sell somebody on something. But yeah. in this case, I just want to deconstruct this notion because it's it's kind of been like sticking in my head, like this idea of like, well, we got to show security is not a cost center. But like, who are we trying to? So let's first talk about who are we trying to do that for? I assume I assume people are are talking about the internal like top tier within their company, right? Like the CEO or the C-suite. But like the thing is, I don't think that the C-suite is stepping back and saying, okay, based off your numbers here and based off of like the, the products you've built and that stuff, like, okay, you flipped the switch from being an operational expense, just something that's the cost of business, something that's the cost of making me a product to sell to people or whatever goods or services or whatever. This is the cost of me doing business essentially to, to, I guess what I'm saying is to me, like, I think what a, what a C-suite's going to look at is they're going to look at, okay, based off our market research and our conversations with our customers, these are the things that are their priorities. So I guess what I'm trying to say is it, it seems to me that you're trying to take it, not you, but just in hypothetical situation, obviously, but I'll say you just for that. So you are trying to internally sway your C-suite when I, I'm not sure that's to, into believing and flipping the switch between just another operational expense and not, and, and, and not in like, you know, not be that be a selling point, be something that like they can, they can make money off of. Like, wouldn't the, wouldn't the outside in to the C-suite approach make more sense? Like, wouldn't, wouldn't it be something that you'd want your customers specifically to, to like drive in that market research that's done and then given to the C-suite or if the C-suite's you're small enough or the C-suite is doing those products. The selling point, not you trying to advocate that you're a, a selling point. Does that make sense? Like, and yeah. sorry, my Wi-Fi sucks. So I can see that I'm probably cutting oh, out. Yeah. No, I, I, we, we caught the basics there, right? Like um, outside in, I, I think that pressure is always going to be there. And I don't know if you necessarily are ever going to change a C-suite's mind about whether or not security is a operational expense or it's a, you know, it's a, you know, something that helps make money, right? Um it's seen most of the people that I've met, you know, that are in those positions have a very set view on where security fits. Um, and, and this went on and like, we had this discussion in uh, this in Slack as well about like, you know, 
how AppSec has become its own thing finally over the last, you know, 15 years where it used to just be lumped in with security in general and what that actually is. But um, I still think that anytime you say security, C-suite views it in a certain manner, right? Um, There are those that advocate for security that recognize those external pressures. But how many companies do I go into on a daily basis um, only do security tasks because they have to, they have compliance regulations, right? Whether that's HIPAA or, you know, GDPR or, uh, you know, PCI, the only reason that they're doing an assessment is because they have to meet that checkbox. Um, so the industry is driving Which security. Which is a cost of business, right? Yeah, it is. It is. And so that's, that's how I'm viewed. And that's how, uh, and it, it falls down to the lens of how much they're willing to pay for things, um, you know, how much time and effort they will put into the findings, whether or not they look at the low severity findings that we put into a report. It's very telling as to how how serious that organization takes security and how well it's supported in upper management and from leadership. Uh, because if, you know, like I have companies where all, you know, like obviously anything that's high or critical risk, that's what gets looked at by the auditors. So if I report one of those, the development team jumps on it or the management team is all over it. But those medium severity vulnerabilities, those low severity ones, if they are do not directly impact um, like security or like the their compliance report, I, you know, 90% of the organizations I walk into, those those issues probably exist the next year or the next time that an auditor or a, a security professional steps in and does that um, that assessment, right? They're and waiting it, for the holiday break for the next year holiday break to, to pay down some <laughs> technical debt. But guess yeah, what? It's yeah. not even going to be security technical debt. It's going to be yeah. like performance. Yeah. yeah. Which, which, yeah. Which, which I understand from a business perspective and, you know, but it, it, it is very interesting to see that the thing that I liked about uh, Leaf's article is he's starting to tie that those security issues. And some of those are low severity security issues. He's tying those to the health of the overall environment, right? Like your health metrics, um, your like performance metrics, your like everything else that goes into the product, the um, the product security issues, the exploits, the the code that we're that we're writing from a product security perspective also fit into that overall security availability, uh, like the triple a, the CIA of a product. And if that's not um, tight, right? Like if you can't show that you're improving those, those metrics, right? Like what is it that you're really doing? Um, Yeah. So I, I guess that's, you know, that's a long and, rambling, whatever. I, I can't even remember what your question was there, Ken, at this point. But. No, I just, uh, basically what I've been trying to say is that whew, it's it's just, I don't think I could go to a C-suite and say like, oh, here's some like ways we've been optimizing things and doing things better and um, et cetera, et cetera. And here's some data to, to back all that, those those statements up. And now do you see me as like not a cost and rather a, a selling point? And they'd be like, okay, yeah, sure. But as long as our customers say that, right? Like the customers, they, they're the ones who dig. I guess what I'm trying to say is the people that buy stuff from you are the ones that dictate whether or not, in my mind anyways, you're a selling point, right? Yeah. Otherwise, yep. 
you're still always going to be a cost. It's just that, can you show value? Yes, absolutely. Are you ever going to change someone's mind unless like, like I don't, I have a high, I guess I have a high level of cynicism and skepticism around me internally trying to take a fact and change it through flashy numbers and bullet points. It's just not going to work. And unless someone is telling my C-suite that they're purchasing the product because we have a kick-ass security team and they've done a bunch of blog posts and they've released a bunch of open source stuff. And that's why I like want to go there is because clearly they have their crap together. They, they contribute back to the community. Like there's whatever incentives I have and on a large enough scale to matter to the C-suite financially, then yeah, I'm a selling point. If I haven't, I guess if you're going to advocate Think about who you're advocating to. Are you advocating to your C-suite or are you advocating to the people that are buying your product? Now, Leaf put this out on the public blog post, right? So that is actually mm-hmm. a meaningful step towards swaying the public's opinion, the people that are using your, that are paying attention to your blog, that use your product and all that. That's a meaningful like step to take for outward, outside your organization visibility. But if I, if I, if I was, I just... What do I know? But I, I think like, you know, that that's where I'm coming. It's it's very frustrating to think about it because I'm like, man, people are probably going to spend a bunch of time trying to sway. And like, you know, the C-suite, man, like they don't, there's no, there's, it's always very black and white, factual, very like it works or it doesn't like, it, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it, I don't know how to, yeah, maybe, maybe I should just shut up, but that's how I feel. Like no. C-suite is like, either this is real or it's not. And they're no, going to be yeah. very, because at that level, you have to be absolutely ruthless in how you prioritize, not mean, but I'm talking about ruthless in, in terms of like where you prioritize energy, money, and yeah, like fluff converse. How, how long have you ever had an hour long conversation with a C-suite person for just like to shoot the shit? Yep. Never. It's, That's not how never. that world works. <laughs> so uh-uh. anyways, I, I don't know. Like I, I think it's, I think it's an, I think it's an, uh, the idea is right and the spirit of it is good. I just think that like, you really have to understand who you're selling this idea to. Yeah. 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 You do. Right. Like, and, and that's like, when we started the conversation, that was kind of that situational, like, what is it? Who are you trying to represent this to? Who are you trying to, um, yeah. Who are you trying to sway with this data? Right. Um, because the customers are, you're absolutely right. Like that's probably where the pressure needs to come in, or that's where you are going to actually add value. If you're going to sway the, you know, the C-suites minds, that's where it's going to come from. Um, but to, to start that conversation, you have to be able to track something. Um, yeah. and that's where, that's where the list that Leaf has put together here. The approach that he's taking is very meaningful is, okay, what is it that you want to look at? What is important to your customers? What is important to your engineering team, to the health of your platform? What what are those metrics that we should track? And then how do we show that to people, right? Whether that is just like the overall fill of an application, right? How fast it takes something to load um, because of the security tooling that you've built into it, right? Or is it something else, right? Like, is it the number of, you know, exploits that you've blocked, the number of cross-site scripting bypasses that you've filtered out, right? Like all of that feeds into it. 
but at some level you've got to release that you think about the the um different and this actually feeds into another article that we've got on our list right but uh you think about those large companies and what they release from a security perspective right like what is it that they tell you google tells you about the number of like uh, you know exploits that have been quashed by google right like ex or not by google by bug bounty hunters right like xss they release like these reports on a yearly basis that actually show what their bug the health of their bug bounty program how much, how much they've paid out that sways people to be like oh google takes security seriously right like they're, yeah. they're fixing bugs you have apple that just came out this week this is that other article that i wanted to talk about and they're releasing like, oh, we're securing the uh, customer environment and we're setting up these keys so that you talk to people in a secure manner and that can't be sniffed, right? That sways the needle as far as people choosing Apple, the Apple platform in order to interact and in order to communicate. All of that is a security metric that, it, you know, yes, it was like an engineering team to build it that built it, but it was product security that's built into these different products. That's how they're representing. So it's really interesting to start thinking about right. how but that's great. Yeah. No, but that just don't go away from that point yet because that's great for when you're building a, when you're building product features, like you are definitively a selling point. Your metrics actually like every metric you have goes towards just backing up what you already know is that you are a selling point because you're a part of the product that is yep. making money. Is different. What and I, the reason I wanted to stick on this point is because I think it's very important. There's two paths here. There's that path where you're building for the product, you're in front of customers. And then there's the other path where you do the work that like nobody knows about. That's what my team does, right? Work nobody knows about. We just keep everything clean for you. You don't have to think about us. You shouldn't. You shouldn't. I'd argue our customers shouldn't have to think much more about us other than like GitHub's got a great security team. Like if you know that about us, cool. And if that's all, cool. That's it. That's all people really care about. I mean, and again, is that going to make for some clients? Sure. For some clients, that's important for, for some people, not so much, but you, you can pretty much guarantee though, if you're building into the product, you, people care about you. Does that make sense? So anyways, I don't mean to, I didn't want to cut you off, but I, I feel like we couldn't navigate away from that point. Cause that's an important distinction. One's yeah. uh providing obvious value and absolutely is a part of the, the thing that you're selling. And the other is a background thing. That's just kind of, it's like a janitor. It's coming behind. Like that's what we are, right? <laughs> We're just janitors cleaning up shit. <laughs> like that's well, all we I, do. I, you know? I mean, honestly, how long have I argued that like we as penetration testers specifically are really just QA and yeah. we do it, you know, like very specific security QA. We do it, you know, we do a pretty good job at that portion, but we document poorly. We don't like, it, we don't have the same discipline that like the QA team usually has. Right. Like um, anyway, so. Yeah. 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 So it's hard. I guess why, why, why I want to bring this up is when I go back to what metrics do I care about? If it's in the, the light of selling things, nothing, I don't care about any of it. Like, <laughs> you know, I don't, I, I care about in terms of selling things because that's not, what I'm focused on, right? Like what I'm focused on is making sure that the experience for a developer trying to ship software isn't terrible and that we prevent as much as we buy, we, we basically buy down risk through the right activities. And so this is where I, I would say I do. And this is the point I wanted to get to is 
the metrics become less about the things that I can, I can get a very, very quick pulse without setting up some elaborate dashboard and sending on all this information to the execs who are definitely not going to care about any of it. What I can tell you is that what they will care about are things like our fundamentals program where we have scorecards attached to services and that represents health. And that could be security health, that could be functional health and performance, you know, performance health, whatever it might be, right? But it's a measurement of health. They care about that. Yeah. So now, what, what do I, like reframing this, what do we care about conversation? I probably care about showing that our risk over time has been significantly reduced, not just through the adversarial testing, but through things like paved paths and partnerships and documentation and training and all of these like things that everybody, bounty program, all these things that you, and I mean, VIP pro, bounty program, especially, right? For like features that are unreleased. There's all these activities that can occur. And at that point, if I can show that year over year, we're closing security reviews faster and correlating that with like buying down risk, like, oh my gosh, that's a great story to show. That shows we're not only getting through these things, these things like faster and more efficiently with less overhead for engineering, which means less overhead for the company to ship something that sells money or like make, makes money, sells, sells money, sells makes money, money yeah. that sells and makes money. But then also in, in, in doing that, I, I've bought significantly, I bought down risk significantly in the process. That's a good story to paint. Guess what though? Still a fucking cost center. Not, yeah. not a, <laughs> not a selling point. So uh, anyways, all right, cool. Man, cool. That was a, that was a fun one to explore. I'm glad you brought it up. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it's super interesting and I think it's actually super relevant to, you know, most, I, I that, that's why it's fascinating to me coming from an external perspective because I only get very, very defined snippets of what security metrics are important to the company, what's actually being tracked, how vulnerabilities and risk is being reduced because it's so point in time, right? Like, uh, my discussions with the security team are very limited to like maybe a couple hour conversation to do a threat model, to do something along those lines. Um, but it is very tactical. It's not the overall like program perspective that I see on a daily basis. And so, uh, and I know a lot of our listeners are in those situations. They're trying, they're struggling with how do we represent what we're doing and how it provides value to the company? And so like leaf having that out, it's very apropos. It's very, you know, timely to give people something to, to start digging into and to think about it in the proper context. Right. Like, you know. so uh, I guess, you know, to put a bow on it from my perspective, if I was building an app, a product, product security or application security team, I would be asking both customers and my leadership, what they want to see, right? Like, and not necessarily, hey, what metrics do you want me to track? I would be asking them what the overall goal was, right? Hey, like in your, like, to your point, right? Like, hey, we're, we're reducing risk overall. Um, and then I would backtrack into the metrics that I want to see that show that reduction of risk, right? Um, because right. it, it, it may be that they just want a dashboard that shows the number of vulnerabilities that have been quashed, the number of security bugs that have been reduced over time, um, you know, in conjunction with the, the overall risk of the company. But you've got to have that conversation with someone internally and then also like ask your customers what sort of security stuff they're concerned about, because mm -hmm. overall it's their data. Yeah, absolutely.
Yeah, cool. I, I think I think the the idea of specifically asking and engaging with your again, not to belabor this point, but I think you, you what you touched upon there is very important, which is the more that security can become in tune with whatever you you sell and what your specifically what your customers are buying, like the better. For sure, right? Like always, if you know what your customers are really coming to your your organization for, it should absolutely prioritize what you care about. Everything from like what things you, what things you're going to prioritize from say testing or hardening perspective, which teams you engage with internally, even just from a perspective standpoint and gaining some of that, it'll help you just, I think, operate much more efficiently if you understand what they care about. And you take the time to, to, to do that. And so that's actually been something we've tried to do a lot more of, which is engage with the, the community. I would say over the last year, and I know my boss, Greg, Greg Osa, he, uh, he's done a lot of like outreach and talking to, yeah, just in, engaging with like different, different customers of different calibers, right? Like not just your like big enterprise like who makes us the most money, but like who, what are the concerns of, of many organizations? And he said, those have been very fruitful conversations. And he, he really wishes he, I, I think, well, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I, I think if you were to ask him, he, he would say, yeah, it's good that we're doing it. And I, you know, I'd like to do more of it and maybe earlier. So anyways. Okay. Uh, yeah. 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 I, and it's, I don't know. It's it, th- those are always interesting conversations to have, right? Obviously, you know, we've we've talked about it for a half hour plus at this point. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, and I feel like we're just we're just scratching the surface, and we haven't necessarily talked about like specific metrics, why or why not we would why we would pick one over the mm-hmm. other. Um, but that's an internal discussion that you need to have because the things that are important to me as a you know small business as a consulting firm, how I protect my data, the tools that are available to me are completely different to a large organization like Microsoft, like GitHub, um, as you're managing, you know, tens of thousands of people and their data um, and the availability and what that looks like. Right. And so um, you've just got to take that into account. It's very, it is very situational. Um, Cool. Okay. So. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, no, I just, I was going to say, this step. is like one of the most hot topics in like this, this is th- th- for those that are for the uninitiated, there are a lot of people that just have stopped collecting metrics altogether. Cause it's like, it's all, all wash. And when you think you get like the right information, it's like some new talk comes out that like completely destroys it. And there's like a panel where people destroy. Now this is, it's, this is the awful way of collecting metrics. Like, here's the things you should be focused. And so it's like, this has been a, this has been a, Seth and I are not going to solve this today is I guess what I'm trying to say, but we can deconstruct <laughs> no. the reasons for these metrics and that, that can maybe meaningfully impact the information that you're collecting and the way you're presenting it. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's what I liked about Leaf's article is it does take kind of a higher level view of that, right? It's, it's stepping back from specific metrics into, okay, you know, what is it that you're trying to accomplish? What is it that you're trying to track there? So, so go give it a read, jump into Slack, let us know what you think about it. Um, and what metrics you actually track. That would be another interesting question to ask of listeners or, you know, members of chat or like, as you're in there. What is it that you're concerned about and how do you track that? Um, some of it is so esoteric. Some of it's very, very difficult to actually track over time. 
um, without some sort of number to drop on things, right? Um, metrics are great up until, you know, your entire uh, database is breached. And then you've got to question whether or not you were tracking the right metrics. So anyway, yeah, <laughs> we're, we're, I, I'm sure we're going to get into it, right? And we, we yeah. all die. <laughs> okay, so we've got Justin. Great. Yeah. That's your boy right there. It's uh, yeah, Justin chiming in. He, he's not wrong, though. <laughs> he said, <laughs> metrics suck and we all die someday. And both yep. are true. They're hard facts of <laughs> he, life, folks. Life, folks. Yes. He's a, he's a metric nihilist, apparently, right? Like, you know. <laughs> I, I've just, um, I've gone through all the iterations of metrics. And my, my current iteration is, I don't give a shit. <laughs> there's not a lot of metrics that matter to me, you know, to be quite honest with you. Um, Cause they're all flawed and in some way. So, and you know, anyways, there, 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 there are, like I said, there's a couple data points that we use, like how, how long does it take for us to do our job? Um, which is important, but honestly, even that you could delve, delve deep into and say, okay, sure. But then what are the other factors? And there's a lot of other factors and they're not all under the most of them actually, there's very few factors I would argue that are even under our control and how long it takes for a security review, security review to get opened and closed, even in that case. Right. Again, I mentioned yeah. there's many security teams involved. It also depends on the stage at which they brought this thing to us, the size of it. Like if you come to us at the end, it's a huge thing. And like to unwind any of the potentially negative uh, security wise it, choices you've made, it's like, Anyways, I know I'm pulling us back into this conversation. It's just like, man, like what? That's just such a hard, it's, metrics are hard. That, that's, yeah. anyways. All right. I'll stick with, Justin said it best. best. Metrics suck and we all die someday. And we all die someday. Yep. Yep. In conclusion. And, <laughs> and you can make any metric look good based on how you represent it, right? Like, you know, it's the, the statistics of the security field, right? Is... Oh, you know, like, oh, we were attacked a hundred thousand times today, but that's a good thing because it means we're in the news, right? Like, I don't know, right? Like, you know, it's, you can always spin, spin those metrics so that they sound good, which isn't necessarily the best thing, right? Like, but you know, yeah. that is human nature, right? We want to put a good spin on things no matter what. Um, okay. So the other thing that I wanted to talk about, and actually that I'm going to adjust the article that we, we had for this, we're going to go straight to Apple for it. Um, Okay. Speaking of metrics is, uh, and I want to know what you think about these new um, user security data protections, right? That Apple has actually put out. Um, uh, like what your overall thought is, um, because there's been a little bit of pushback. I know from um, like, a, like whether or not it, it's moved the needle. Um, and whether or not it was, it was necessary, right? Like, um, and whether or not people are going to respond to it, right? So the, the article that I've posted there, um, is from Apple, um, it advanced, so it says they advance user security with powerful new data protections and they break down three different things specifically, right? iMessage okay. contact, contact key verification. So Basically, this is um, a new pop-up that occurs when you're texting with someone in iMessage, right? You're sending messages back and forth. That uh, new devices have as a new device has actually been used to interact with you. So, oh, so Signal. Yeah, basically, it's Signal. Yep. Okay. Uh, 
Okay. Just want to be clear. <laughs> Sorry. It's signal. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's signal. signal. <laughs> Perfect. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, security. Uh, so security keys, right? So being able to use security keys with your iOS device, not just the two-factor auth that we've had in the past, which is, hey, do you have that device? But do you actually have that, like that um, security key with you? So. Yubi keys, right? Like I, right. that that's what it sounds like. And then advanced. I have one that just plugs into my phone. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, they're just integrating, I think, that with their 2FA as well. Right. So that's cool. I don't know if that has have if they haven't if they haven't done that in the past. And then they've they're calling it advanced data protection for iCloud. Um, so this is, you know, they they've already protected data, you know, with end-to-end keys. Um, whether that's iCloud, like the keychain data, the health data, right? If you don't necessarily have the the key to unlock it, you can't get into it, right? Like your iCloud password. But it seems like they're pushing more and more of that out, right? Between backups, like this is one that I uh, like, I was interested in because it felt like backups was one of those things that they said was protected, but you know maybe wasn't protected in the same manner, or it was only specific pieces of the backups, like your keychain that were protected. Um, and what else is in that list? You know, Safari bookmarks, series shortcuts, voice memos now protected, um, wallet cool. passes, right? Again, some of those, right? Like I'm like, oh, I, you know, I don't know if we've just like glossed over the fact that we have so much data that's with Apple that may or may not have been protected in the past. Um, that's just so. <laughs> Yeah. Somebody on Twitter said that same thing. Like they're already doing this for pieces. They're just now extending it to the cloud, but there was some reason that they, they didn't do it before. And somebody put it up, somebody put it on Twitter and I can't remember if they had said, and obviously if it's on Twitter, it's gotta be true. Right. But I think they had said or insinuated that it might've been because shit, like the FBI was upset about them doing that. Um, I think that's maybe something I had seen. I don't know. I've just been so much information in my book been reading no. lately. Um, no, you're right. Yeah, that's, that, that, that's, that's where some of the pushback has been uh, is government, like law enforcement agencies, um, which, which also like, you know, worries me a little bit, but doesn't right. Like we've always had this, this uh, love hate relationship with the ability for law enforcement to get access to, to personal data, right? Um, because there are certain situations where, uh, like, you know, you want to see what, like, who's been involved with, you know, horrendous crimes and other things. But it, but on the flip side, right? What does that mean for personal, uh, personal security and privacy and that 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 fine line that we seem to walk all the time? So I, I mean, you know, in your world, then this like these new security features it it sounds like it doesn't really move the needle it's just realistically improvements on current the current state of devices that you may or may not use correct oh well no i think it's good i think it's a great thing like i um the not the what okay i mean no 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 no. it's sorry no there it does move the needle and it's interesting and i wonder if people will uh like just I would say right off the bat, like I still don't feel like I would choose to leave signal for iMessage with the, mm-hmm. the message verification. Yeah. 
and I may be under misunderstanding and I probably am like, that's not their goal. I would assume is to be like signal, but anyways, uh, so I don't know if that'll change. Like if it'll, you'll see people be like, no, nah, I'm good now. I don't need to use signal or like, I'll feel more comfortable using iMessage. I wouldn't. And the reason is very simple. iMessage is everywhere. It's on all my devices. Right. So like, I don't really want, yeah. Why? That's just more attack surface. Um, so in any case, uh, but I, I, I do think I, it's a net win, net positive thing, and it, it makes it easier for people that are maybe not as um, technically, well, then, I mean, I don't know. I, it's an interesting, it, it, it at least gives somebody an option of some improved security, I guess. Yeah. There, on that uh, first I, point. And the first point, like with the iMessage specifically, I, I'm going to be interested to see uh, you know, it'll take, it'll actually take a little while for this uptake to happen inside in kind of the consumer world, right? Like Apple does force people to upgrade over time, right? Quicker than Google does. Um, but I'm interested to see what's going to happen with, um, with my like non-technical contacts, right? Like friends and family that use Apple products. And if there's going to be any sort of questioning, because uh, anytime that there's a pop-up on that screen that says, you know, I get a call from like my father-in-law or my mother-in-law, like, ah, you know, data has been compromised or whatever, right? Like, you know, and is that going to freak them out when every time that they're interacting with a, with a person that just upgraded their phone, they get this notification that that person upgraded their phone, right? Like they're using a new device or they just hooked up their iPad and now they're texting on their iPad or their, their, their MacBook pro, right? Like, cause all these devices aren't necessarily registered with their one Apple device, their one iPhone. And is that going to push them actually away from using that um, because they think it's it's unsafe, right? Like this is that flip side that I, I don't know how much they've, how much research they've, they've put into it, right? Like, yes, it does protect them, but it also is almost telling them that this person is unsafe to actually interact with. I, 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 I'm just- I guess that's a fair point. Yeah. <laughs> that's a fair point. I mean, it might- Honestly, man, like, cause, cause look at that screen, right? Like you're, you're texting with someone and all of a sudden you get a pop-up with a warning that an unrecognized device may have been added to Jenny's account, right? Like the first thing you're going to ask is, uh, did you just get hacked? Right? Like, it, like, I mean, it's a fair, man, that's such a fair point. Like I, hey, I you and I yeah. know what's going on, right? Like, but it's but not built for not. you and I, right? I know exactly. I just. You know, I, I, I'm mean, on I signal. Almost... <laughs> Sorry. Anyways, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> it's fucked up. All right. Sorry, <laughs> Apple. No, I'm not. Whatever. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah. Anyway, I, I like it. I, it's going to be fascinating to actually see how it how it gets rolled out and used by the general consumer. I guess is what I'm going going on yeah. there. Oh, yeah. yeah. And no, I'm sure. also interested. But... So, uh, so on the flip side of that too, right? Like. Um, you you know that I've we've been working on this like uh, you know this client side monitoring stuff that you know in, in web applications right specifically and yes. um, like so Redpoint like so we're going to release like a consumer extension that goes along with that that's going to give like a red green yellow dot basically hey that you know users should interact with this page or they shouldn't just based on a, a number of different things. Um, and so like, that's part of why I'm fascinated with it is to see what consumer behavior would, would be 
with something that gives them these sorts of warnings and you know whether or not it is the appetite is there to use those sorts of warnings in an appropriate manner Anyway, anyway, no, so yeah, I agree. I agree. Like that's the, yeah, it, it, you're going to need to like give people some, some, uh, you're going to need to like educate your users a, a little bit for sure on, on that. Um, yeah, but it is Apple. They, they do stuff that like, it's very opinionated and they're very well known for it. It's their bread and butter. I think it's nice that they're not on one specific, um, point but just the whole overall idea of it i think it's nice because uh, you know we're clearly in a recession regardless of whether administrations want to admit that we're in a recession there's no doubt about it and next next year like who knows right so why i'm saying that is what happens when the market goes down and why does security stay not only stay gainfully employed but usually even do maybe sometimes a little bit better when it's a down market well scamming fraud it's very prevalent so it's kind of cool that during a time when we know there's going to be more and more or at least historically there has been more and more um fraud cyber fraud oh, i use the word cyber damn it all right it's <laughs> one of those days uh yeah that's, uh, yeah that's a five five minute timeout for kid no. five minute timeout <laughs> said it said the dirty word um, but yeah, it's just nice that during that time that they, they like, and, and, and by the way, on that note, when it comes to fraud, what, what have you seen traditionally attacked? It's like the Apple ID, right? So to have that, uh, that ability to have a, a YubiKey versus like being susceptible to, I don't know, like a SIM swapping attack or maybe just like, like I mentioned before, it's kind of weird to get a text on something and like notifications on something when you're like, you know, it's on several devices, all, you know, impacting the one device. So it's like, yeah, as long as I really physically had access to one of these devices, like I can make it work. Right. So, yep. but if I don't have your YubiKey, which is a separate thing from like an Apple ecosystem product, then it's going to be a lot harder for me. Um, so I think it's a net win. I think that's a good thing. I think it's a really good thing that you can, you can attach that to uh, like your Apple ID and all that stuff. So. Yep. Yeah, yep. Cool. I would, I would agree, especially on the security key side of things like, uh, you know, um, especially with, you know, within this last couple of months that we've seen these, uh, you know, the, um, the SMS blasts or the, um, uh, the authentication, you know, Oh, you, you know, Okta notifications, approve this request, approve this request, right? Like for administrators and, you know, more technical people, it's just going to push that needle a little bit and protect, the sensitive systems even more, right? Um, I, you know, on the consumer side, I wish there was more companies that were buying in. I mean, SMS is more popular now. Um, even some of the the MFA, like the the tokens and the generation, but it's still not incredibly widespread as an option for a lot of banks, a lot of financial institutions. It's an opt-in thing. Um, which, you know, there are concerns that go along with that, but right. Like I, I wish that I would see more of that uptake and it's happening over time. Um, so this, this just gives you one other option, right? Like the ability to do that through your Apple devices and just plug that UB key or whatever into it. And the whole, yeah, that the whole ecosystem will work in that case. Actually, Apple has a good, oh man, now that you bring that up. Apple has a real, man, I didn't think about that angle because 
you're right. Apple has a real opportunity here to push out MFA to the masses, right? Like a simple Apple commercial touting. I mean, not that, not that I'm saying they're going to do that, but let's say in a hypothetical world, they had like this, you know, an Apple little cutesy, simple commercial, like with the, you know, whatever the cutesy music. And it's like, Oh, look how simple it is to use MFA and keeps all the hackers away and all that stuff. Like that's a real awesome way to have a tech giant leader who people actually like in mass use their products and follow along with what they say is good. That's actually a decent opportunity for, for them to market the idea of MFA to the rest of the world on a huge, huge level. Anyways. Yeah. It's a good point. It's not something I'd really thought too much about, but all this does bring security more like personal security, more to the forefront uh, of people's mindset. So it's cool. It's cool. You have like a, a big player advocating for it. Yep. I, I mean, I, I'm with you there, right? Like the way that Apple's always pushed that needle on the security stuff, I you know appreciate it. And maybe they've just been more public about it than Google or Microsoft, because I know Microsoft has been very involved in the security space for a number of years as well. Um, but uh, they do have a tendency to to at least publicize, like this article, when they they push out new security features and what it is they're actually doing, and. Um, part of that makes everyone just accept it and move on, right? Like, oh, it becomes kind of the new standard, which means everyone looks at, you know, Android or Google. Oh, are you doing the same thing? Oh, yeah, you are like in different manners, but you just didn't necessarily publicize it in the same way. Um, but at the very least, it means that we're pushing that needle and we're making things more secure or secure by default, right? Like that was the other discussion that we had in the uh, in chat this last week. So hmm. um, cool. All right. Well, we've been going for about an hour. I know we've only covered two articles, but they were pretty interesting today. So um, I think we'll probably leave it at that. Otherwise, you know, we, we'll probably go on for a long time. And I know you and I both have other stuff that we've got to get to today. Yeah, I'm writing code. It's fun. So good. Good times. Good. Yeah. 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 But uh, no, sure. Um, well, any, uh, I guess like, uh, I don't know, any, suggestions for for since like we're i know we're about to get off here but like anything that you're buying from like a hacker tech tech perspective uh this year for, for, for christmas for, for christmas um i don't know my 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 uh family always complains that anything that i want i just but i go out and buy um right like especially from a tech perspective well, yeah I'm like just wouldn't even try <laughs> you're a grown man try. with your own money <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> i get it <laughs> I don't know, right? Like I haven't necessarily followed as much. I like at this time of year, um there like there's always kind of tech deals that are going on um for uh oh what is it? Um what's the search engine? Dang it. Now I'm like uh I, I'm just having a oh for Shodan, right? Like that's the one that I always I always watch for is Shodan always has like a yearly subscription or whatever. They typically around the holidays will have something. Um, be careful with the IOT devices as always, as they come out, right? Like I always like to play with those if my kids get them and they connect to the internet because, um, you know, traditionally there's a, you know, there's a backend web service that's hosted in, you know, Eastern Europe somewhere that's not well protected or right. Like whatever it happens to be Asia, China, um, like what sort of data that's leaking out, be careful with it. 
Um, because there is like, there are secure systems that are out there that you can actually use, but at the very least, you know, that $5 IOT lamp or whatever from, from walmart.com, you probably would just want to take it with a grain of salt, make sure that you're protected against it. I don't know. I, I mean, that, that would probably be my advice along those lines. Ken, I, was there anything that specifically that you're looking at to get or purchase or, um, uh, by the way, sorry, yeah. uh, I yeah. did, I did put in insacam.org cause I put this on my store. Like well, I reposted somebody else's post on Instagram on my story yesterday, actually, this is so weird that you brought it up about Shodan <laughs> because he was like talking because I thought it was cool. Like a uh, mainstream, like this is just a guy who talks about like re- weird, random, strange facts. And he, this yeah. one happened to be about the fact that there are a ton of insecure web cams just like def- he even broke down like how they ship with default credentials and most people don't know they're there or how to change them so they don't so then they end up on this site instacam.org and it's just open webcams and all that stuff uh, but it was cool to see somebody mainstream not like in the security community post about shodan he mentioned shodan as being the, the main way that this stuff gets discovered and then some of that information so anyways it's just funny that you bring that up it's like oh it's pretty timely um that that site's amazing. what am i getting I'm, I'm, yeah 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 no have you seen it before no i haven't seen that one i've always just done it through like google dorks right google uh yeah so yeah it's awesome. it's pretty crazy yeah that's pretty fun <laughs> man oh, okay so i actually fun. shared something that you didn't know about that's awesome that's for sweet. once like Thanks, yes man. yes first um <laughs> uh, Cool. Yeah. Seth, because he's 172 years old, knows everything. So it's hard to surprise him. (laughs) Uh, (coughs) Man, I'm still getting over that cold. Um, I don't know. Like, actually, I don't think I, uh, uh, the only thing I was going to buy, but I don't know if it's Christmas. I I do want to get my son a 3d printer because he's starting to show interest in um, wanting to learn tech stuff. So I pretty much not, when he was younger, I tried to like teach him some basics of uh, coding with the Ruby, not Ruby, the language. Ruby is uh, something, it's like Ruby is the, the female character's name. And it's like, a, yeah. anyways, whatever. It's like a children's book for programming. But anyways, now, and then he kind of wasn't his thing because he's kind of too young for it. Now he's drifted into it. So I think I might try to get him more into like the 3D printing space, more of the like, um, they've got like a really cool uh stupid stuff again not something i'm buying it's something for like for like a good example would be like iterm on his computer he's got a mac and like iterm um they have the the star wars themed one where you can get like a chewbacca iterm uh layout you can get yoda and stuff like so i want to do stuff like that with him maybe some mine more minecraft craft craft mods because we used to do that and try and get his headspace back in there so we can actually start like teach him some programming for minecraft mods basic stuff with java stuff like that. Cool. So actually it's not yeah. so much about the stuff I'm going to buy is like the focus on yeah. passing along some yeah. knowledge. Yeah. I, I mean, honestly, you know, cause I, listeners probably know that our sons are about the same age, but I, I, I've been within like two days of each other to each other. I know it's crazy. <laughs> um, but he, like I was looking at some of like the engineering kits as well. Um, cause he's been interested in building things more than kind of the programming aspects. So I'm trying to like push that direction. Um, but yeah, like, uh, you know, if you have ideas for that sort of stuff, drop them into Slack. We'd be interested to hear what, what you're giving your, your techie kids, your techie friends, um, or yeah, what you're looking for. Uh, yeah. Sweet. Yeah. Sweet. All right. Well, 
happy holidays to everyone. Thanks for being a part of Absolute AppSec and the community. And if you want some Absolute AppSec swag, reach out to us on Slack. Um, yeah. Otherwise, see you after the holiday or we'll see, one yeah. part of the holiday. Yeah, we'll see. I'm not sure if we're going to do next week or not. We might if we get a bug, but uh, watch the YouTube or Slack, the YouTube channel or Slack, uh, and we'll let you know. I'll be around. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. Cool. All right. Great. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for joining. Thanks.